Grace, mercy, and peace are yours from God the Father and from the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The word of God which we will consider today is our epistle lesson found recorded in the letter to the Romans in the fifth chapter. There we read verses 6 through 11 as follows in Jesus' name. For at the appointed time, while we were still helpless, Christ died for the ungodly. It is rare indeed that someone will die for a righteous person. Perhaps someone might actually go so far as to die for a person who's been good to him. But God shows his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Therefore, since we have now been justified by his blood, it is even more certain that we will be saved from God's wrath through him. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, it is even more certain that since we have been reconciled, we will be saved by his life. And not only is this so, but we also go on rejoicing confidently in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received this reconciliation. These are the words. Heavenly Father, sanctify us by the truth. Your word is truth. Amen. In the name of Jesus Christ, dear fellow redeemed, now in these days when everything that happens seems to get recorded and put out on the internet, it's not so uncommon for us to see and to hear of some very serious and violent crimes committed by children. Some as young as 12 or 13 or even younger than that. We're bound to wonder what's going on, and we wonder what is lacking in a young person's life which could lead to or explain such behavior. There are probably many reasons that our society is now experiencing such a problem as this, but some have suggested that a fundamental reason is simply this, it's the lack of love. A child might have everything else that he or she might need or want. They might be even considered to be quite privileged. But if they're ignored, if they're neglected by the most important people in their lives, then there will be some terrible problems to overcome now and in the future. Could there be any more important relationship than that which we have with God. After all, the Bible tells us that in Him we live and move and have our being. And so it's crucial for us that we know and that we never doubt that the Almighty God loves us. Being assured of His love, we can have peace and hope and joy even on the hardest days. That's what the Apostle Paul is speaking about in our text this morning, and having those gifts, we should rejoice in God's love. We can and should rejoice in God's love because it's a love which is willing to make a great sacrifice for us, 
a love which assures us of our salvation, and a love which moves us to proclaim that to others. You should be happy that God's love drove him to make the supreme sacrifice for your sake. Paul says, at the appointed time, while we were still helpless, Christ died for the ungodly. It's rare indeed that someone will die for a righteous person. Perhaps someone may actually go so far as to die for a person who has been good to him. But God chose his own love for us in this while we were still sinners. Christ died for us. Think of it. God sacrificed his own son. And he did this with you and me in mind. Consider the words the inspired apostle uses here in this text to describe us. For example, he says that we were helpless. We were without strength. We were powerless. We'd all like to think that we have some strength of our own on which to rely and which we might even boast about. That might be intellectual strength or physical strength or financial strength upon which we rely. We'd like to think of ourselves as having the ability and the wherewithal to approach God as something like an equal and to persuade him to do the things that we want him to do. It might appear to the world, in fact, that we are strong in any number of ways. But as God sees us, we are helpless. We have no strength to overcome our sins, no power to save ourselves. To admit to our weakness is a difficult thing because our sinful flesh always would like to take at least some credit for the things we do. But God's word stands. He says we are helpless. Here the apostle uses another word to describe us, and that word is ungodly. The average Roman citizen of Paul's time would have responded saying, what do you mean by ungodly? After all, the Roman world worshipped a galaxy of gods and goddesses, each one who controlled some specific aspect of people's daily lives. And the Jewish people living in Rome also would have considered themselves to be godly. After all, they were proud to be called the children of God, his own chosen people, whether they actually worshipped him or not. So these days, most people would call themselves godly because they acknowledge that some sort of higher power, some deity exists still ignoring and disobeying the one true God who is made known in the Bible, the triune God, they stand separated from him. And we all hate to think that by nature we ourselves are ungodly, but that's his own characterization of mankind, and his is the only characterization that matters. Knowing this, that we are without strength, and that we are ungodly, we see that the sacrifice God made for us is amazing. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. When we were ungodly, Christ died for us. This is the gospel. 
This is the good news of God's love for each of us. The Son of God lived as a human being in weakness and humility for our sakes, and he willingly gave up his life for us. He died upon the cross to pay for our every sin. He died so that we won't have to suffer the penalty that our sins deserve. He died so that we may live forever. To gain an understanding of this, again we read, it's rare indeed that someone will die for a righteous person. Perhaps someone might actually go so far as to die for someone who's been good to him. It is unusual, isn't it, when a person offers to act as a substitute for someone else who's being held hostage or who is about to be executed. Such a thing would only be considered when that person is thought worth dying for. For whom would we be willing to die? For a family member, quite possibly. What about dying for someone you barely know? What about dying for someone who's made it clear that they don't like you very much? Jesus Christ died for us even though we in no way deserved it. We ought to rejoice every day in such a love that made such a sacrifice. Only that love could assure us of our being saved from hell. We need to be reassured of that often because by ourselves, we would never believe that God could love us. In fact, believing that would be impossible because by nature, the Bible says that we're dead in our sins, having no spiritual life, no spiritual inclination in us. We've been taught to believe that if something seems too good to be true, it probably isn't true. We have to be careful and wary of the offers that people make to us because we don't want to be cheated. We don't want to be deceived. It's impossible for us to believe on our own the pardoning love of God in Christ because deep down we know who we are and we know what we're like. And so does God. If God is just and fair and righteous as the Bible describes him, how could he simply overlook my sins? How could he overlook this world of sinners? We ask, how could God simply forgive me because of what Jesus Christ did 2,000 years ago? How can I be certain that this is really true? How can I plan to lie down one day on my deathbed confident of his love and forgiveness. We want to be sure of these things because where we will spend eternity hangs in the balance. The apostle answers, therefore since we have now been justified by his blood it is even more certain that we will be saved from God's wrath through him. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, it is even more certain that since we have been reconciled, we will be saved by his life. In other words, if God didn't lash out at us and punish us when we were 
weak and ungodly sinners, will he now suddenly change his mind and decide to reject us or condemn us, us upon whom he has lavished this unmerited love? If he did not immediately punish us when we were guilty, apart from Jesus, he will certainly not do that now that he has already declared us justified, declared us not guilty through faith in him. God has announced our acquittal already, not because of some goodness that he finds in us, but because of the innocent life and the holy blood that his son shed for us. For Jesus' sake, God forgives you and me, and he declares us to be innocent on all counts. He makes this stunning announcement to this whole world of sinners. And he did that first when he raised up his son Jesus from the dead on Easter morning. In Romans elsewhere, Paul expressed this saying of Jesus, he was delivered up because of our offenses and was raised because of our justification. Our sins against God created a state of enmity to exist between heaven and earth, a deep canyon stretched out between God and humanity. But in Jesus, a reconciliation has occurred, and that deep gulf has been bridged. Again, in the words of our text, we're assured, if when we were enemies we were reconciled to God through the death of his Son, it is even more certain that since we have been reconciled, we will be saved by his life. If God was reconciled to us, if he made up with us through the atoning life and death of Jesus, our substitute, then we should be certain that this state of peace still exists now, that Jesus has ascended into heaven where he pleads our case at the throne of the Father. So it says in the letter to the Hebrews, because Jesus lives forever, he has a permanent priesthood. Therefore, he is able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. God loves us and forgives us for the sake of Jesus and he wants us to find our daily assurance of that love in the fact that Jesus has risen from the dead and that he now is our advocate that he is interceding for us in heaven. If you happen to win some particular distinction, some honor, or perhaps you've won some large monetary prize, it would be hard, wouldn't it, not to tell someone about it, not to talk about it. It would be difficult to conceal such a good thing for very long. Right now you are hearing the gospel of Christ and you will receive it also today as you receive his body and blood with the bread and wine of Holy Communion. In these ways you are being assured once again of God's love for you by which you will live forever in the unrivaled and exquisite bliss of heaven. And so the apostle concludes... Not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received 
the reconciliation. The Greek word for the word rejoice can be translated also as boast. It's not that we have anything of ourselves to boast of, but our boasting, our rejoicing in God's love, we're reminded isn't something to be done quietly or timidly as though we were uncertain of it or that we were afraid that we might lose it in a moment's time. This word reminds us really of how confident and reliant we can be on the good news of our salvation. So we can declare this message of God's love for us with boldness and joy because that message itself contains God's own power to create faith in the hearts of those who listen. St. Paul, writing in this same letter to the Romans, said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. By telling this gospel, we are sharing with others, telling of forgiveness and heaven through Jesus. And it's through that message that the Holy Spirit is working. The Holy Spirit comes and breaks down the wall of unbelief and he ignites the fire of faith in us so that weak and ungodly people like ourselves become God's own children and inheritors of life without ending. How important it is for us to know that we are loved by other people. And that's true whether you're 13 or 103. That love that we receive from the people in our lives enfolds us. It makes us feel secure, makes us settled, makes us feel complete. So we can face loss and hardship when we are supported by the love of our family members and our friends. It's even more crucial for us to know every day that God loves us, that he wants to stay close to those who are crushed in their spirit, stays close to the brokenhearted. So rejoice in his love. It made the supreme sacrifice for you. It assures you that you are saved from all of your sins and it compels you to share that good news of his love with others. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and shall be forevermore. Amen.